Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostolic Guardian to your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. Please be seated. The letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. And so the right to set aside our former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And for the fulfillment of this commandment that was written by the Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, there are three fateful commands and fundamental actions. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. And from the fulfillment of these three requirements, to set aside, renew, and clothe, will depend the perfection of our salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed so that we can gain it as a property in the format of the fruit of righteousness. These three verbs, to set aside, to renew, and to clothe, will help us to take our salvation from the seed of format of a seed into the format of the fruit of righteousness. This is when our justification, which we received as a gift of grace through the redemption of Christ, will become our righteousness. Scripture says, And she was given to be clothed in linen, pure and bright. The linen is the righteousness of saints, it is written. So this linen was not just pure. We receive pure linen when we receive justification as a gift, when the Lord forgives us our sins, and when He justifies us. Now, once He justifies us, He makes us righteous, and a righteous must practice righteousness righteousness and when we practice righteousness in christ jesus by the power of the holy spirit then our linen is not just pure but it is also bright and to practice the righteousness of god is impossible without the truth of god this linen that is pure and bright we also see uh, we also see them on the angels the angels the seven angels of god and to them was given 
seven bowls of the wrath of God and seven plagues. And these angels were also clothed in linen that is pure and bright. And along with this, they had a golden sash around their waist. We see that it is impossible for our linen to become pure and bright if we are not girded with the truth of the Word of God. What kind of truth? One that is faithful, commanding, and foundational, the fundamental commandments of God. The, this is that which will allow us to take justification into the status of the righteousness of God. And when justification becomes righteousness in us, then the grace that we receive as a gift of grace is able to reign in us. Because grace, when we accept it in a state that is carnal, when we are born again, it does not yet reign. It is necessary to reign it in our essence through the righteousness of God. And when it reigns, then our linen becomes pure and bright. And again, without the golden sash, without the truth of the Word of God, without the commandments, which those that plant the Word of God give us, meaning apostles, it is impossible to place our salvation from the format of a seed into the format of righteousness. And with regard to this, we have stopped to study the 18th Psalm of David, in which acknowledgement and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God had allowed David to love and call on the Lord who was worthy to be praised, and it gave God the basis to use the powers of these capabilities in battle against the enemies of David. David, with the names of God, had called on God, had expressed his love, and this then allowed God to use and enable his names and his power that are contained in these names against the enemies of David. And, of course, the Lord is unable to use these powers if David does not know what stands behind these names. And we are affirming what stands behind these names. And so, Psalms 18, verses 1 through 4, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When he had written this and we had saying these words, he knew what he was talking about. He knew who he is calling on. And he called these specific names so that the Lord can able to produce victory in his life. He knew who he was collaborating with. And so let us all together with David proclaim these eight wonderful names. And so, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are the rock in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord make us worthy of his, of his names. And so considering that in a certain format, as much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied our inherited portion in Jesus Christ and the powers of the four names of God, Strength, Rock, Fortress, and Deliverer. Therefore, let us turn to studying our inherited portion in Jesus Christ in the name of God, Rock of Israel. In Hebrew, the definition of the name of God, Rock, contains the following meanings. Rock is the tip of a mountain cliff. It is a stone, a rocky fence, 
It is a shelter, a shadow from the rock. It is victorious. Rock is also an elephant tusk out of ivory. It is also eternal dominion. They are the promises of imperishable food, and a rock is the consolation of the world. So whenever it referred to, it was scripture referred to a rock, these components were present there, beginning from the shelter, the tip of a mountain cliff, the stone, rocky fence, the power, might, and the consolation of the world. When we speak all these words, Lord, you are my rock, all of these components are present there. Therefore, when we say, Lord, you are my rock, we say, Lord, you are this kind of shelter for us, a shadow from the rock. You are a shelter for us. We are covered by you. You are victorious. You have eternal dominion, and and in you is the consolation of the world. And so in this prayer song of David, the name of God, Rock, contains the inherited portion of the Son of God, in whom and through him we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and expand our income received from placing the, placing the silver of our salvation into circulation. The name of God, Rock, allows us to keep and expand our income that is found in Christ Jesus. And we will see how this is going to occur because the Lord is unable to keep our inheritance unless He expands it. And for our inheritance to be expanded, we need to show our inheritance. Here is your inheritance. Well, I don't see my inheritance. Lord, let me go up to the rock. And He brings me up to the rock. And He places my nest, my thoughts, on the tip of this rock in order to see the promised land. He puts me up on the rock. And from the heights of the rock, He shows us the promised land. Christ from Golgotha had seen the promised land. He had seen his inheritance being found on Golgotha. So it is necessary for the Lord to lift us up to, in order for him to show us something. And for this purpose, just as in studying our portion in the previous names of God that are called to be the portion of our salvation, we arrived at the need to study the following questions first. What characteristics and categories categories define our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock? Second, what purpose in the realization of our salvation is our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock, intended to fulfill? Third, what price is necessary to pay to give God the basis to be our Rock? And fourth, by what results can we define, or by what fruit can we define that God is truly our Rock in the realization of our salvation? And we should keep in mind that if, upon proclaiming our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock, we see these powers outside of our heart and the proclamation of our lips, we will move forward in an unfaithful direction. Because God, and all of His unchanging names, is the portion of the inheritance only in the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body. He redeems our spirit, soul, and body, so that they can become His portion. And then, when they become the portion of God, only then the Lord can legitimately and lawfully use our spirit, our soul, and our body. And in order to have this kind of redemption, we need to know about it. Okay, the spirit is saved. Well, what will happen there? Will there be a beautiful view or, or a cliff? 
people don't understand that they ha when they receive redemption, the inheritance is contained in full redemption of our spirit, soul, and body. And if we don't have this full redemption, the Lord can accept our prayer. It is necessary for us to enable or enact to enable our body. I am using my body right now. I am speaking the truth of God. When we pray, we use our body because without using our body or without using our lips, nothing will occur. But if my lips and my body are not the portion of God, do you think that the Lord will be able to hear these kind of prayers? If I behave poorly toward my body, that it's going to be, uh, it's going to be decayed, it's going to be eaten by worms, and a person is praying to God and with the mighty God, His Majesty, He behaves towards His body in such a way? No. We thank God that our spirit, our soul, and our body are God's portion. And when we know this, now the Lord says, I want to use your spirit, your soul, and your body so that you can take your inheritance. And so the first question, we are continuing to stand on it and study it. It sounds the, like the following. What characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock? And the first component that we have already talked about, the portion in the name of God, Rock, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, I highlighted for myself that these names which Pastor gives us, he constantly highlights uh, with commas, the name of God, Rock, comma, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, comma, and then in the heart of a disciple of Christ. Can we explain here what this is? This means that this person has a teacher who will tell him about the powers of the name of God, Rock. Therefore, these commas are very important. And so the first portion, in the name of God, Rock, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, is defined as righteousness that rules in the fear of the Lord. And we had read about that we looked at the final words of David. In the final words of David, David said, The Spirit of the Lord speaks in me, and His word is on my lips. The Lord God of Israel said, The Rock of Israel spoke of me. These were the final words that this person spoke of before, before he went to heaven. And people stood before him with notebooks, and the Lord said, about me, says the Lord God of Israel, the Holy Spirit speaks in me. And why does this happen? Why does this occur? Because he was a righteous man in whom was the might of the fear of the Lord. Therefore, when we have the fear of the Lord, then the Spirit of the Lord speaks in us, meaning our words become equal to the words of God, as our pastor repeatedly had mentioned. What does this mean, equal to the words of God? This is when the Holy Spirit is speaking in me. His word is on my lips, and the Lord God of Israel said of me. Not about him. I ask that the Holy Spirit through me speaks to the Father. And for this it is necessary that in my prayer be present the fear of the Lord. A prayer that does not have the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord present. This prayer cannot contend for anything, because the fear of the Lord is outlined by the commandments of God. When there is no fear of the Lord and a person comes and prays to God, God doesn't hear these kind of prayers. Because prayers, they represent the form, or they are presented in the format of the commandments. They are presented in the format of landmarks, boundaries, God's boundaries. Therefore, when there is no fear of the Lord, then the Lord doesn't bother to listen to this person. 
Ah, well, I'm speaking to God. I'm crying out to Him. I'm yelling. I am crying. Why doesn't God answer me? My tears, my, my cries out to Him. What's missing? The fear of the Lord. And the presence of the fear of the Lord in us tells us that we have the commandments of the Lord. All those preachers that preach without the fear of the Lord, all those that pray without the fear of the Lord, these are people who spit at the wind and their prayer uh, goes nowhere. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is a very important component. It means that we have the commandments of the Lord present. The second portion in the dignity of the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, defines itself in the dignity of our great origin, which partakes us to Zion, which is the height of beauty, power, and strength in which God dwells. And before the Lord is able to show in us or to show His beauty in Zion and saints in the church, He will destroy it. Destroy it not because He doesn't love it, but because He finds in the Zion that which does not belong to Zion. In our body, He finds the old man. Yes, we are His children, we are His Zion, and He brings us to ruins, so that in the death of the Lord Jesus, He can then lift us up in His resurrection. The old man, He can't be resurrected. Why? Because the old man is not the portion of God. The old man is uh, beyond Noah's ark. Our spirit, our soul, and body are in Noah's ark, but the old man is found outside of the ark. Therefore, when the Lord places the ark in the waters of the flood, and the old man goes goes wild. He's trying to ask to come inside, but he can't. Why? Because you are outside of the portion of God. And when a holy person is immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus, and he dies to his nation, to the house of his father, and to his corrupt desires, then he is raised up in the resurrection of Christ. The old man remains at the bottom of the Jordan River. He is found in this death because he is outside of the ark. He is an outsider. He wants to find himself on the inside, and he tries to, through a thought that is rebellious, to end up here, but we don't allow him to enter into our ark. Therefore, the Lord destructs and places us into the death of the Lord Jesus so that then he can restore us in resurrection. That's why we need to understand why he immerses us into death, not because he doesn't love us. He loves us very much, but he despises the old man. Why? Does he play Zion through a winnowing fan, through chains, through the furnace, because he doesn't like something in the church, that which does not coincide with his nature. He doesn't like that they're present in there, the wicked, the lawless, and those that are carnal, who had time to leave out of this carnal nature, but they didn't. They didn't exit out of it. That's why it's necessary for him to produce this kind of work. Some this work will make better and better, others it will make worse and worse until they will uh, until they leave the church of God. And third, the portion in the dignity of the name of God, rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, defines itself in the clefts of the rock and the secret places of the cliff. We talked about a dove here. The Lord speaks in songs of Solomon, My dove in the clefts of the rock and the secret places of the cliff. It is this kind of a person that the Lord wants to hear uh, His voice and to see His beautiful face. 
and we had talked about how we need to liken ourselves to a dove. What are the properties of a dove? What are the properties of the Holy Spirit? Because those properties that the Holy Spirit have, the church of the Lord Jesus, the bride of the Lamb, the wife of the bride of the Lamb, she is called to be a dove. And in this dove are, of course, males, females, elderly, young, we are called to have the quality of the Holy Spirit, and to have the quality of the Holy Spirit is impossible if we don't have the quality of a Father and a Son. Fourth, the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, defines itself in building our dwelling on the crag of the rock. And here we can read this place of scripture in greater detail. Job chapter 39, verses 27 through 30. Does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? On the rock it dwells and resides, on the crag of the rock in the stronghold. From there it spies out the prey, its eyes observe from afar, its young ones suck up blood, and where the slain are, there it is. And so, according to the question asked to Job, does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nests on high? It follows that the eagle which, according to the command of the Lord, makes its nest on high on the rock and dwells on the crag of the rock, is referring to a righteous person. A righteous person who receives the preached word of the messenger of God into the heart through a revelation. This is who scripture look at, looks at as an eagle. It is a righteous, the righteous who receives in his heart a revelation, not directly from the Holy Spirit, but through the preached word of the messenger of God. It is these saints that he views as an eagle, who according to the word of the Lord, not according to their own uh, dreams or visions, when people say, I saw a dream, I saw a vision, the Holy Spirit told me this. Scripture says that this eagle, according to the command of the Lord, because the Lord has spoken from his lips makes its nest on high on the rock and dwells on the crag of the rock, meaning begins to ponder upon the word of God. Let's take a look at this righteous person who is likened to an eagle where it talks about him as being righteous. Isaiah 33 verses 15 through 16. He who walks righteously and he or he who is righteous, he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands refusing brides, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Here it talks about a righteous person. And Job this righteous person was presented as an eagle. Again, who is an eagle, if you are asked? We ask, we answer, an eagle is a righteous person who has revelation. Oh, what kind of revelations, we are asked? The revelation that we receive through the preached word of the person whom the Lord has sent into my life. Let us take a look at certain phrases that is necessary for us to remember, to highlight, and to understand them well. So, about this eagle, about this righteous. So, all of us are these kind of eagles. And so, let's take a look at what kind of qualities we must have. And uh, these we have. I see 
each of you in all of these qualities. I find myself in these qualities as well. And so scripture says that the ego will dwell on high. To dwell on high means to be separated from thoughts of the flesh and to meditate on thoughts of heaven. Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we ought to ponder or meditate upon things of heaven. And I again and again want to remind a revolutionary truth that Pastor Akadi had revealed to us. You will say, well, we know this place of scripture. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. We have heard this many times from childhood, but I personally didn't understand it. I know what kind of thoughts I have. And if I run to these thoughts, I will say, Lord, I am not yours. But scripture says, when we begin to ponder over the word of God, and in our thinking, we begin to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind to ponder over the preached word of the revelation of God, which we hear, scripture says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So, Lord, you know the lusts that are in the members of my body. You know me. You know all of my weaknesses. I know what kind of appraisal you give me. He says, I don't, you don't know what kind of appraisal I give you. Lord, well, if I am horrified at my thoughts, I can't imagine how you, the Holy One, look upon me. He says, I don't look at you like you look at yourself. For as he thinks, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the Lord does not define our righteousness according to those desires and lusts that are found in our body, which we war with. It is necessary to ponder upon the Lord to remember that which we have heard. And the Lord says, I will give you the highest appraisal. Take a look at how important it is to ponder over the Word of God, to speak about it, to speak about the Word of God. This is very important. Furthermore, it says, again, we're talking about the righteous as an eagle, is the rock that is a stronghold. This means to have a heart that is built into a strong tower, able to protect us. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Who runs to the strong tower? The righteous run to it and are safe. And these strongholds for him are a strong tower. How do we run to the stronghold? Scripture says that there will be the stability of time is when the fear of the Lord will be your treasure. When we have the fear of the Lord, then for us, we have the stronghold, stability of times. Therefore, we can run to God. We say, Lord, you be my, be my stronghold. And he says, for this, you need to have the fear of the Lord. And when I have the fear of the Lord in my heart, and this is impossible without the presence of the commandments of the Lord in my heart, when I accept not the commandments of man or not the thoughts of man, but I accept the word of God through the preached word, they clothe me in the fear of the Lord. And the Lord says that for you will be the stability of times. Do not be afraid. We say, Lord, our country is warring with the other country. He says, but for you, there are the stability of times. Do not be worried. 
we ought to have the fear of the Lord to keep our souls within the commandments of the Lord. Furthermore, Scripture says that the bread will be given him to this righteous who is presented in the image of this eagle. This means that the righteous man observes his feet when he goes into the house of God and is ready to hear the word of God rather than to give sacrifice. When he is ready to hear the word of God more than to give sacrifice, Scripture says that bread will be given him. But when for him, firstly, is sacrifice to do something for the Lord, then that's it. Bread will not be given to him. We must understand that service to God is very important. But when we come to service to God, then primary must be to hear the word of God. That's why Martha, she had to change these priorities. Do you... Lord, I am caring for you. I am dwelling in service. And she was sitting, the other lady was sitting and listening. And he says, walk prudently when you go to the house of God. Be ready to hear and then then to sacrifice. Martha, it is good that you want to serve. But when I am speaking of these revelations, you had to have stopped, lift up your eyes and say, my Lord, and then sit down on the stool and listen. These revelations that I'm speaking, how can you run back and forth, back and forth? Can you sit down? This means that Christ had spoken very important words that Mary had sat there and listened. Sometimes this happens when pastor is invited and others are speaking. I've noticed before when pastor begins to speak about revelations, saints quieted and they sit to listen and it's important how we act toward hearing the word of god we don't come here to preach to sing in this place to pray we come here to listen to hear the word of god and all the rest will be present and will have its place where it needs to furthermore scripture says his water will be sure this means that a desiring heart that has accepted the holy spirit as lord and ruler of his heart was made a vessel out of which flow rivers of living water John seven thirty seven through thirty nine, on the last day, that great day of the feast. What is this? The last great day of the feast. This is talking about us. This is then when the Holy Spirit will become Lord and ruler of our life. This is not just Passover, Pesach. This is not just the feast of the Pentecost or the feast of booths. For us, the great day, the last day of the feast, the greatest feast, is when the Holy Spirit becomes Lord and ruler of our life. And therefore, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. For the Lord desires for him the holy spirit to become lord and ruler of our life and he will become lord and ruler of our life when he finds himself in the source but please check is the holy spirit as lord and ruler of my life or is he just a guest we can verify this through the rivers that are going to flow out of our room is the holy spirit a guest or the lord and ruler according to the presence of the water that is going to flow out of our heart or through the presence of a living well, the living well 
that is found in our heart. When our well is, when our heart is found as a well in which there is living water, it is this well that Christ comes to, sits and meets the Samaritan woman. So this well, this was the heart of the Samaritan, where Christ had quenched his desire and had quenched her desire and thirst. So we see that the Samaritan woman, the Holy Spirit, became Lord and ruler of her life. She had opened the well in which there is eternal living water. The next phrase about the eagle, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, points to a kind of promise that is found at the door of our hope, preceding a meeting with the Lord in the air, which is a guarantee of meeting with the Lord in the clouds. So he sees his food, his eyes look afar. This is the specific promise of God that is going to be found before our meeting with the Lord and the promise that is not just going to be before our meeting with the Lord, but it's going to give us a guarantee of meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. And scripture, if you see, uh, says this promise can't be seen coming come clo- coming close to it. All of Christianity came close to it with their noses, uh, with their noses against it, but they don't see it. Time has come to an end. We've come very, very close to the end because this promise, even if you put your nose against it, you won't see it. Jesus came, the Messiah came upon this earth into Bethlehem. And when Herod had asked the Jews, where is your Jewish king called to be born? They said in Bethlehem. He says, strange. What is this in Jerusalem? What are you doing here then? I thought you would have to be in Bethlehem then in that time. But they were in Jerusalem. What does this mean? That the promise came and they are found in totally different coordinates because they didn't need the lamb. They needed a leader the leader that would give them liberty and that would make them uh, owners of money. They needed a king. They needed a speaker. They needed the one uh, the one that they could look at at the TV and think of him as a gold person. This, will, this gold person will come. It will be the Antichrist. But Christ came and only a few people Uh, Only a few people came and they had the correct coordinates. And therefore, this promise can only be seen when we are found on large heights. And it is from these large heights and on these large heights that we can have this promise that relates to the door of our hope. This is the promise that we can see, not with our noses against it, but we are found on the top of the rock. We have a nest there. And from this nest, we look down and we see this promise. Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. It says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. This promise can be seen only from the heights, only collaborating with the Lord. Lord, you are my rock. The Lord lifts us up to his ominous rock and allows us to see his portion. And we say, my Lord, this can't be. My body, yes, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, in it will reign the resurrection of Christ. Where was this written about? And right now, it turns out that we are studying all of it. 
and each chapter and each verse we sing of the resurrection of Christ, that the whole body of a person is the portion of God. And upon the rapture of the church, the Lord is going to spread his portion onto the body of Christ. In order for us to see this, it's not enough to come close to it with our noses against it. I've seen in communication with pastor, with speaking with people, with those uh, with whom he was in service with during his youth. And when he began to share with this promise, I saw them look at this as if they didn't understand. They couldn't understand what kind of door of hope is he talking about? They haven't even defined what hope is, and now he was offering to see a promise that lies at the door of this hope. You understand? I saw the sorrow that Pastor had in his eyes. How? How? Why does a person look so coldly and with a total uh, lack of participation? because it is necessary to collaborate with the name of God, Rock. The next phrase that talks about the eagle, that its young ones suck up blood, and where the slain are, there it is. This points to the proclamation of the faith of the heart of a righteous person. The proclamation of the faith of the heart of a righteous person is comprised of the fact that he considers himself dead to sin and alive to God, and living in his earthly body calls the inexistent heavenly body as existent. So to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God and to call the inexistent as existent. This is to place ourselves in Christ and to place Christ in ourselves so that we can proclaim the existent in Christ, inexistent in Christ as already existent for me. And this is important to understand that through this action, we place ourselves in Christ in whom are all the promises, a yes and amen. It is this kind of death to sin that gives God the basis to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ in order to prepare us to meet with the Lord in the clouds. Romans chapter 6, verses 13 through 14, or 3 through 14. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the death, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be indeed dead, dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your, and the, your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So from this, what we have read, we had to highlight for ourselves how we are able to produce this total victory. Scripture says you need to know two things. First, to know that the old man was crucified with him, that Christ had died. Why did he die? so that our old man can be crucified with him. And the second thing, you must know that Christ has risen from the dead, and he no longer dies. Death no longer has 
authority over him, and death will not have any authority over us. These two things we must know so that we can have this full victory. First, I know that my old man has been crucified with Christ in the death of the Lord Jesus. And the second thing that I know is that Christ has risen from the dead. He no longer dies. Death has no power over him, and I am found in Christ. And if I have united with him in the likeness of his death, then I will unite with him in the likeness of his resurrection. And death will not have and no longer has any kind of dominion over me and over you too. The first death has no power. The first death is when a person is separates with God. He dies to God. The second death is when we when we die or we separate from our body. But even in the second death, when a Christian dies, then the Lord has also placed his victory there because he doesn't call this death. He says the righteous has fallen asleep. How has he fallen asleep? He has died. He says to another, but this righteous was resurrected. How was he raised? The righteous is raised from the earth. Lord, he died. He says, no, he didn't. He was risen from the earth. There will come a time that this righteous, I will resurrect first, and then you, we, together with him, are going to be raised, raptured to the Lord. Even in the second death, when we are separated from our body, the Lord says, I have either slumbered or I was raised to God. And therefore, Apostle Arkadi makes the conclusion, if we, like an eagle, through the proclamation of the faith of our heart, can rise up to the word of the Lord on the rock and dwell on the crag of the rock, then this ability defines in our heart our partaking to the name of God, Rock of Israel. We have this opportunity to be like this eagle, therefore we collaborate with the name of God, Rock of Israel. This was an interesting fourth component. The fifth component of the portion contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, is defined as the dwelling of God known as Zion. Psalms chapter 61 verses 1 through 4. To the chief musician on a stringed instrument, a psalm of David, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. So again, beautiful phrases, images, which Pastor provides certain commentaries on. And so the first phrase to the chief musician on a stringed instrument of Psalm of David tells us that this prayer song accompanied on a stringed instrument is addressed to the chief musician. In part, we already know that the image of the chief musician is the Holy Spirit called by God to build our prayer in accordance with the requirements of the will of God and to clothe it in power. This is what the Holy Spirit does, the chief musician. So the chief musician can't be a guest. Just like Bethuel and Laban, as we had heard, he had accepted. They accepted gifts 
Eliezer accepted as a guest, and they then let him out. But Rebekah did not accept him as a guest. She accepted him as master and ruler, and she went after him into the house of Abraham to Isaac. She had accepted him as the chief musician. That's why the chief musician is the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life. And under the image of the choir is referring to Zion, yielding the church in the face of God's chosen remnant in the dignity of a dove. We need to find this kind of a choir. Sometimes there are choirs. People say, listen to this choir, it's beautiful. God also has this kind of choir in the face of a dove, in the face of saints. And he also listens to her and looks at her face with great joy. And so under the image of the stringed instrument is referring to our new man, our spirit, created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth. Any prayer that does not carry the union of these three sovereign instances will immediately lose its power and is viewed by God as resistance to His will, which calls out the anger of the wrath of God and clothes the one who prays into perdition. So these three sovereign instances, the Holy Spirit as the chief musician, the choir, Zion, the church, and the stringed instrument, our sovereign spirit. And between all these three, there must be a certain harmony. First, the union of these three sovereign parties makes our prayer legitimate, since it determines the essence of our altar, on which we intend to present ourselves as a living, holy, and pleasing sacrifice to God for reasonable service. The union of these three sovereign beings, the Holy Spirit as a chief musician, Zion, the Church of the Lord, the choir, and the stringed instrument, my spirit, I prepare myself that I can present myself as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to Him. Second, the union of these three sovereign parties is a testament to the fact that we have accepted the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our lives and are led by the Holy Spirit. And third, the union of these three sovereign parties is a testament to the fact that we are partakers to the dignity of a dove represented by the remnant chosen by God. By partaking to the dignity of a dove, we have the legal right to the promise of the inheritance in the name of God, Rock of Israel. And therefore, only having the right to the promise of the inheritance in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we can pray from the ends of the earth about how God will bring us to the rock which is beyond our reach. That is higher than us. The phrase, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. This prayer phrase is a just prayer that coincides with the requirements of the perfect will of God. With these words, only a person, a a perfect person can pray that is found in the perfect will of God. To be led to the rock that is higher than we are is a component of our calling without which we cannot give God the basis to adopt our body to the redemption of Christ before we are raptured to meet the Lord in the air. Before we are raptured to the Lord, we must allow Him to lead us to the rock. What kind of rock? The rock that is higher than we are. These words are present in our prayer, which Apostle Arkady prays with at the beginning of every service. 
and all of his helpers in our country as well as uh, beyond in Europe, Ukraine, Russia, other regions, Israel, other regions, if they begin their service when they gather together, when they pray with this prayer, they are not praying with their prayers because they are disciples. They pray with this prayer. They have learned it and they dwell in the truth. And this brings great joy. In this case, special attention should be paid to the nature of this prayer that is accompanied by a cry, which indicates the fact that before we are led to the rock that is higher than we are, we will find ourselves in difficult circumstances about which David put this way. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. This phrase, it had prompted him, pushed him like a pressure to lift him to the rock that is higher than he was. He arrived to such a state when he had expressed these words, From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. From the end of the earth means from the limits of the earth, which should be viewed as our earthly body created from the earth. It was the realization of this reality that caused the cry of prayer and David's desire to free himself from the dependence of his earthly body by looking to the rock that was higher than he was. This prayer cry was expressed in David's desire to free himself from the dependence of his earthly body by looking to the rock that was higher than he was. This indicates the fact that a person, using his own forces, using all his rational and volitional capabilities, including fasting and prayer, can never give God a reason to put him on a rock that is higher than he is. God needs a prayer cry. I will pray fast and people say, well, when will you bring me up to the rock that is higher than I? He says, when you speak uh, certain words and when you speak these words you need to speak them from the heart to speak them from the heart you must understand them it is these words that lead us to the rock to give God a reason to lead us to the rock that is higher than we are it is necessary that our prayer flow in the spirit and meet the requirements of the truth and for this it was necessary to know the truth through the planted word John chapter 8 verses 31 through 32 then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The essence of the truth which can make us free from sin is the revelation of the Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability to place ourselves in Christ, in which we can be led to the rock that is higher than we are, which is the throne on which Christ sits on the right hand of the Father. First Corinthians chapter nine verses twenty four through twenty seven. Do you know do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Christ receives the reward. Because when I had read these words I said, Lord, I'm not going to run. This means that one will receive reward. I know that this one will not be me, a hundred percent. I'm not even gonna even bother running. I will finish third, tenth. I'm not going to be first. I know myself, Lord. I put my hands down and I'm not going to run. But then one pastor said, 
that the one who receives the reward is at the capital letter Christ. I said, Lord, I will run. I will run. I will run after Christ. One receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. To receive it in Christ, with Christ. As soon as I understand this, we realize there's hope. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This is how the Lord leads us up to His throne. He is the only one that receives the reward, but it turns out that it is necessary to uh, run with Him, to... In his prayer, David gives an unambiguous and clear definition of the rock, which at the time of his prayer was higher than he was, which, according to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, he took as his inheritance, about which he said, I will abide in your tabernacle forever, I will trust in the shelter of your wings, which pointed to the fact that the rock that was higher than he was is simultaneously the house of God in the face of the wife of the bride of the Lamb. It turns out that to place ourselves into this one who receives a prize is necessary to place ourselves in the church of God. Imagine if you are told, go run after Christ. Sometimes people say, can you finish your thought to the end? You said you weren't running, now you're running. What is your run expressed in? My run is expressed that I understand that this one is presented in the rock. He has hidden himself in the face of God's chosen remnant, in the face of the church. I come to church, and when I come to church, and when I hear the word of God, and when I accept this word, this preached word through the anointed man of the Lord, I run, I run this race, and I know that we will receive this one and the same prize. When I come to church, I run. In to, with one to Christ Jesus. He came as a habit to service. This became his habit. He didn't need to be forced. This was a habit. Habit, I want, I don't want. What difference does it make? It's my habit. This is my habit. He came according to this habit. And when he came by habit, he always received inspiration. We come according to inspiration sometimes, but, or rather those saints that are present in church, I know they come by way of habit. And we come by way of habit, we receive inspiration of the Holy Spirit because we never leave this place. There hasn't been one service, not one service in our church, not one from the beginning of its creation of this service through our apostle brother Arkadi when Lord placed him as the head of this church. I never saw somebody leave this church and say, I left empty. You know what? This truth rang today that I heard a thousand times. I heard it as if I heard it again. Because we have grown, and when we have grown, we sing a little bit more, a little bit greater, and this is fine. So, to summarize, to summarize the component contained in the rock that is higher than we are, it follows that the portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is the dwelling of God in which a person can hide under the shadow of the wings of God and the dignity of Thamim, representing the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ in the heart, and Urim, representing the Holy Spirit, who reveals this truth in the heart. Sixth, the portion and identity of the name of God, Rock of Israel, in the heart of a disciple of Christ, 
defines itself as the place of the glory of the Lord. Exodus chapter 33 verses 18 through 23. And Moses said, Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my glory pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Based on the existing dialogue of Moses with God, a place where the glory of the Lord is absent cannot be our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel. So in this place does not dwell the glory of God, the fear of the Lord. Then this place is not the inheritance in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The glory of the Lord comes from the face of the Lord, just like the rays of the sun come from the sun. The rays of the sun can be seen and their warmth can be felt. However, it is impossible to see the sun at a close distance due to its high temperature. We see that Moses had come approach this glory. How do we how do we approach it? Pastor says beautifully. How do we approach in the format of warmth? We see the sun. Sometimes the clouds cover the sun, we say. I see the light, I feel the warmth, it is hot for me. This is from the presence of the glory of the Lord, and we can also see the sun. But the Lord says, it is enough for you to feel this glory. And I will show you a different glory of God, but for this it is necessary for the resurrection of Christ to reign in your bodies. And then this son will come to us and say, can I dine with you today? So why is it necessary for God, that our perishable body becomes in the likeness of the Lord Jesus. It means that He really wants to speak with us, as uh, to come to us as get as to come be a guest in our home. To me, but today we can't have Him in such nearness. We feel the warmth of the glory of his rays through his preached word and the Holy Spirit who uncovers the significance of this word. Given that the place of the glory of the Lord is the cleft of the rock, in order to determine our portion in the name of God, the rock of Israel, we will need to consider both the properties of the glory of the Lord and the cleft of the rock on which God will provide all his glory. Well, first, what semantic load does this rock contain on which God dwells with all his glory and what properties in scripture define the cleft of this rock? And second, what criteria and properties in Scripture determine all the glory of the Lord that God held in the cleft of the rock before Moses? The first, we will talk about the rock and about that cleft. And then, what is the glory of the Lord that was shown to Moses there, which he asked of? 
first we need to see, look, look at this rock, because it is that place where the glory of the Lord dwells. And so the cleft of the rock on which God dwelt with all His glory is a gorge in the form of a deep crack formed in the rock, dividing the rock into two parts. So the cleft of the rock, this is a huge rock, and perhaps there was a large shaking, and in this rock there was a division, this cleft. The image of such a cleft dividing the rock into two parts is the curtain of the temple torn in two, separating the holy from the holy of holies during the crucifixion of Christ, indicating the broken body of Christ for the sins of the remnant chosen by him. And take a look at where the Lord the Lord dwells on Golgotha. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised us faithful. So the cleft of the rock, meaning he opened to us a way through the veil, through his flesh. When his broken body, it is written, his flesh. Why flesh? Because he had taken the winds upon his holy body. His holy body became flesh, and when it became flesh, it was torn by God. And the Lord had shown on this veil that had separated the holy from the holy of holies. This was a, a thick curtain, and when there was an earthquake, when the Son of God says, Lord, I give my spirit into your hands, there was a strong earthquake that had happened, and the curtain in the temple from top to bottom was ripped. Seeing this, how how angry were the priests and the high priests? Let's look. The death of this young Jew. There is a darkness over the, all the earth, an earthquake on the earth. Our service on next Sabbath is going to be postponed we can't because the curtain is torn and only the man sent by god can create it and he's not here that's it our service is going to be at homes uh, and synagogues the service in the temple is postponed when is going to be the next service it won't be it's not going to be the service in the temple will no longer be what do you mean no longer be it will not no longer be because there's something tied to the death of this young Jew because all of a sudden there were new new service, new services, new churches in Jerusalem and it happened from the day of the Pentecost. And take a look at how Pastor had beautifully shown how this cleft of the rock is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death. And this is not all. Second Corinthians one twenty, for all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us, the chosen remnants, which enter the sanctuary by new and living way through boldness led by apostles, they become a cleft itself, meaning the glory of the Lord dwells there where there is a cleft, 
and a cleft is present and it was shown on Golgotha and it was shown and revealed in saints. In this case, Apostle says, all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, through the apostles. So those that are sent by God, they became this, uh, this cleft because in them is the glory of God. When we talk about the cleft of the rock, in it dwells the glory of the Lord. And now specifically the second question, what criteria and properties in Scripture determine all the glory of the Lord that God held in the cleft of the rock before Moses? When Moses asks of God, please show me your glory, then in Hebrew, in this place of Scripture, the word glory means glory is weight, property, wealth, greatness, splendor, honor, praise, holiness, and an island. This is what Moses had wanted to see. He had wanted to see the glory of God in God. Lord, show me. Please show me your son. I want to have a meeting with the son. The Lord says, no, I will show you the glory in such a way so as not to kill you. I will show you the glory that you asked, but in you, yourself. Practically, the Lord wants to show us this glory, and today He shows us this glory inside of us. We will read on. When God says to Moses, I will make all my glory pass before you, then in Hebrew this means holding a parade of military militias in the heart of a person and his essence. And in this place, the word glory means goodness, kindness, kindness and goodness that God demonstrates to a person. We say, Lord, show me the might of your glory. He says, okay, wonderful. My goodness and my kindness toward you is my glory, might in you. This is well-being, prosperity. It is a property and it is Golgotha. When you die in the death of the Lord Jesus, to your nation, to your household, and to your corrupt desires. This is where my glory is revealed for you. Therefore, this cleft is Christ. And they are His messengers, and they are each of us. And it is each of us, because the glory that Moses had asked of is already found in us. We have this glory in His goodness his kindness towards us and his well-being, his prosperity and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this glory of God in us. Let's not run. Pastor says, don't hurry. If there is not enough time, stop at this point and next time we can conclude the rest. And therefore, let's not hurry and run anywhere. The seventh and the eighth component we will look at next time. If, of course, pastor does not return and we wait for him, we wait for him very much to see him in this place. And to, I would like to speak of these truths on Tuesday. And right now, there is no opportunity, therefore we will cover them on Friday, but we will hope that this can move on to Tuesdays according to the mercy of God, because Pastor has much to say, but we are grateful that today we have the opportunity to remember this word, to see it again and see new things in these words. Why? Because this is the revelation of God, and in it the Lord has contained His glory. Let us pray, and may you be blessed in your prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. This Lord is that place upon which dwells the fear of the Lord, because upon this place dwells your word, your commandments. On this place dwells the ancient path of goodness. And there where your word dwells, your mighty word, and the mighty Holy Spirit who uncovers the significance of this word, then on this place dwells the fear of the Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for this atmosphere. This atmosphere in which you can demonstrate your glory. We thank you that you have revealed your might in your name, strength. Lord, you are our strength. And we have magnified you in your word, just as you have magnified your word above all your name. And we, Lord, become servants of your word. And we learn from you. To observe your word and to honor your word. We thank you that you are our rock. You are our rock. And you have given us these commandments, these statutes, these decrees, this truth, according to which we today judge ourselves and which we compare ourselves to, so that we can cleanse ourselves from all kinds of foreign impurities of the flesh and spirit, so that we can run to you and to know you as the Lord who is our fortress. We run, Lord, to you so that we can receive in our heart your word in the fruit of which you will be able to overcome death in our bodies our heart Lord is cleansed from dead works and is ready to accept your revelation your word and we ask Lord that that grace which we have received as a gift according to redemption in Christ Jesus for it to reign through righteousness in our essence, that we can be clothed in linen pure and bright, and to thank you for the righteousness that you have given to saints. We thank you that you continue to gird us with your golden sash, your foundational faithful commandments. We bow down before your commandments, and we magnify you in your word, which has escaped from your lips. We thank you, Lord, that you allow us today to know you as our Lord, who is our rock. Today, Lord, we are clothed in the atmosphere of the fear of the Lord. And this allows you to enable the powers of your rock. We thank you, Lord, that you today have the opportunity to lead us up to heights that are higher than us. And you do this when we place ourselves into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the great privilege to receive a reward with your Son and in your Son. who had said that if we dwell on his trials, then he will share his kingdom with us. And he will sit us on the throne 
to judge the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. And we thank you that each time we come to this service with trembling and the fear of the Lord, we, Lord, run the race. When we trample on our own understandings, on our own interpretations, our own revelations, our own desires, we run so as not just to beat the air, but we want to receive one reward, one prize with Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the rulership of the fear of the Lord upon this place. You have placed us, Lord, upon this high rock, under the cleft of the rock. You have lifted us up to the rock that is higher than us and have placed us in your Son, Christ Jesus. You have said that we are going to dwell on your heights and we are going to live in these inaccessible heights. Therefore, the bread will be given us and the water will not run dry. We thank you, Lord, that you give bread to the righteous and you have never seen the righteous who would have need in bread in your word. You always bless the righteous with your bread, with the bread of your revelation of the preached word. We thank you for the abundance of this bread. We thank you that you view your saints that are found before your holy face as righteous. Because you have given us these great revelations, you have given us, Lord, this bread, and our water did not run dry. The Holy Spirit, the mighty Holy Spirit, reveals the significance of your word continues to dwell on this place because upon this place are gathered your righteous, your saints we rejoice Lord about the great privilege to be found in that place upon which dwells your glory and we thank you Lord for your might for your power your glory that dwells in you and that today it dwells in us. We thank you that your glory is expressed in your goodness towards us. The right to stand before your holy countenance in this prayer is the coming of your glory and your outstretched golden scepter towards us. We thank you that today we can dwell in the presence of your glory. Our spirit today, Lord, can dwell in the presence of your holiness and your glory. We thank you that today our soul is renewed. It is renewed in the death of the Lord Jesus and has risen up from death in a renewed thinking that is capable to dwell in your might and in your glory. But Lord, our bodies... Your bodies that are your portion for which you paid a price for and that portion that we have been able to see when we lifted up were lifted up to heights higher than us our bodies today cannot see this glory we thank you that in Jesus Christ 
upon that place in which there was the power of death will be raised the power of life and resurrection we thank you Lord for resurrection that you have revealed and affirmed in our spirit and soul may it also be affirmed in our body and in the body of your saints and may your glory be revealed in the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies but today and today Lord we pray over those saints who have a need of healing healing of their bodies we pray Lord that you reveal the might of your glory in the rays of the Sun of righteousness we pray Lord that today you reveal your healing in the rays of the Sun of righteousness that is ascended in the hearts of your Saints may their bodies be restored before your holy countenance we thank you Lord that death has no dominion over us not the first not the second we thank you Lord that when we die we die for the Lord when we live we live for the Lord we thank you Lord that death today has no dominion over us we can no longer die because we live in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ we can Lord be raptured from this earth or to slumber for a short time and then you will awaken us and you will raise us up we thank you Lord that death is swallowed up by victory because you already today have destroyed the sting of death in the face of the old man who had previously ruled in us but you had allowed us to bridle our lips with the meekness of Christ and this allowed you to destroy the sting of death we thank you Lord that hell no longer has victory because all of his victory was contained in this sting and our lips had can in the lips that had killed ourselves we made the decision to be clothed in your fear and to proclaim and confess with our lips the resurrection of Christ and the victory of God we ask for forgiveness Lord that if we have correct incorrectly behaved toward our body and spoke negatively of our body and the body of your a body of those that are your saints we repent to Lord of these words and we reject these words we thank you that our body is a part of your portion and we today place the resurrection of Christ in this portion and we thank you that Christ has risen not just for our spirit but and soul but also for our body and may the Lord reign in his resurrection in our bodies at the door of hope and may we be prepared to meet with you you Lord our hope we ponder upon you and we thank you that you judge us not according to those lusts that are found in our perishable body but you today appraise us by those thoughts that are found in our mind our thinking and we ponder upon you Lord we today with trembling continue to remove the Word of God from the golden table of showbreads 
to bring it to our understanding so that then we can be clothed in these truths and to proclaim this truth for ourselves as well as for your inheritance. We also pray, Lord, for the person through whom you place your breads on our heart that today is built into a golden table of showbreads. Our heart is built into this golden table and upon it dwells God's divine order. We, Lord, wait for the revelation of your word and you have spoken in your word given that we have kept the word of patience that you will kept us that you will keep us from the years of persecution and we have built our heart into that table upon which dwells the word of patience we lord are ready to be patient because when this word is found in our heart first who eats of this word lord is you and then when this word will satisfy your eternal intentions you will allow for this word to be accessed by our soul therefore Lord we wait for the return of the person through whom you gave us these great commandments we pray Lord for your mercy so that it can hurry in haste to our soon meeting so that we upon this place can be comforted by one comfort and by the triumph of the power of your resurrection the resurrection of Christ in our bodies in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ we Lord are zealous for your body for your church and we pray Lord that your church be restored before your countenance you have allowed her to be in ruins that then you can restore her and so that your Saints can shine in your kingdom and so that the tares may they be bound and prepared to be burnt the fire we thank you Lord for the revelation that we heard and we with trembling and desire open our heart and prepare to hearing your word which you are going to give us through your messenger through our pastor brother Arkadi we believe Lord that you have many revelations and truths that are called to be placed in our spirit we as a dry and thirsty land wait for this revelation and today Lord we nourish ourselves with the Word of God through the waters so that we can prepare the soil of our heart so that when the one who plants comes that the soil of our heart could be prepared that it could be filled with moisture with the water of God so that the word that we hear through your messenger our hearts could be prepared to hear it accept it and to bring fruit we thank you for this service our Almighty God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and before we conclude with our unchanging manifestation I would like our guest from Israel to come out this is Marina please come out here so that Saints can meet with you she is a member of our group in Israel 
Her name is Marina, and she has stopped at Anatoly and Lena's house. Please invite her, meet with her. You please be seated. And let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with an unblemished joy. To God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.